The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Careful making wishes in a Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh with the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers Baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Soriano Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Welcome to the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia, and on this special uh, episode, I am joined by Andrew from Angels Top Plays on Instagram and Jude from Under the Halo from also on Instagram. Guys, uh, how are you doing? Uh, good. What's going on, Daniel? So, you know, obviously the Angel season has wrapped up and I kind of want to reach out and, and talk to some, some guys out there, some people out there that also follow the Angels probably just as much as we do here at Halo Haven and All Angels Podcast. So but before we get to that, I want to talk, to, I want to ask each of you and I'll go, um, Andrew first, I'll say, uh, when did you become and how did you become an Angel fan? Yeah, so um, really started the 2002 World Series. That was kind of the time where I was really getting into Little League, started playing baseball, so naturally started watching more baseball um, and getting to be able to watch that magic run. Um, really, really got me hooked on the Angels. And then throughout the those uh, 2000 years and all the AOS championships that we had won and the way that team played, um, really locked me in as a fan for life there. What about yourself, Jude? Uh, so originally I actually grew up a, a Braves fan. Um, but I became more of an Angels fan around like the age of eight. So it's about 12 years ago, almost now. Um, and so I, I've never, you know, really been able to see this team click and uh, succeed on the, you know, the, the higher stages, but you know, it kind of drives me as a fan, you know, like it's why I push for this team so hard because, you know, never seen them do anything, you know, <laughs> the past 20 years. So yeah, that's basically my, uh, Angels history. So uh, another thing too, both of you guys run kind of like ourselves, um, an Instagram, uh, Angel's Instagram. Um, I'll go with Jude first. Uh, what kind of got you to start that page? You're under the Halo page. Uh, you know, it's actually uh, crazy because the guy who uh, whose account I based mine off of, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have his account anymore. He sold it like almost a year ago. His ad was Angel's Nation. And, uh, you know, I just thought what he did was really cool. You know, I thought he like, wow, this guy has a platform to, you know, talk about baseball that's so cool you know me as like a 15 year old kid like hold you know that's so cool I think that was about or 16 sorry four years ago when I started making my account and so I just keep wanting to grow it and grow it and grow it so I could you know just be able to talk baseball because that's what I love and what about you Andrew yeah mine's similar to Jude's um really wanting to uh build a platform where I could uh talk baseball and kind of share some hype for Angels baseball when I started um the page angels top plays back in high school uh, there really wasn't many angels pages out there quite yet um and it was actually the whole goal of the page to begin was like a, it'd be really cool to have this platform where essentially the goal was to make sure no one ever missed the top highlight that's why the name started as angels top plays and kind of as i picked up followers as the page developed it kind of grew into more of a the news and high website but it started as just a sole posting videos and making sure everyone uh never missed 
those highlights from the games. That's great. So now kind of moving on to the season, obviously the season itself was very uh, strange to put it lightly, mm-hmm. but um, going into the season, and I'm talking more so the original spring training when everything seemed like everything normal was going to happen. Um, Andrew, I'll go with you first. What were your kind of expectations uh, going into a season? Um, going to this, so are you asking after like when no, we like, realized we're like I'm saying like games? it's March first and everything. Okay. You think everything's going to be 162 games and all that stuff? What were your original yeah. thoughts then? Yeah, so I was um, expecting an elite lineup. I was expecting a top five offense um, with with the the addition of Rendon and and Mike Trout entering his prime and hoping for the best out of Upton and Pools. Um, I was expecting a lot of good talent there. I was a uh, also expecting an above average bullpen um, with Middleton <laughs> coming back and hopefully hitting his stride and, and Bud Tree also kind of finding a stride, Camden Drozen as well. Um, so I was hoping for an above average bullpen um, and then hoping that starting pitching would come around to around being at least average. We definitely didn't get what we wanted in the offseason as far as um, starting pitching, but I thought we could definitely compete in the ALS and at least uh, make a run for, for wild card second place. I, wasn't, I think if everything clicked, then we could – take on the um, rise to the top AOS, but that's always a lot to ask for, but I was definitely hopeful for a wild card spot. And what about you, dude? Uh, you know, for sure, I thought this team was, you know, sub 90 wins, you know, maybe uh, just, you know, fighting in there for that first or second wild card spot all season. You know, you bring in the best third baseman in baseball uh, last year, at least for sure. Uh, and Anthony Rendon, you bring in, you know, someone maybe with a lot of hype behind him, Dylan Bundy in the off season, And then you're getting Shohei Otani back on the mound as well. You know, so that's, you know, three huge additions to a team that was lacking, you know, those two things an inconsistent offense. You bring in one of the best hitters in the league. And then two, you know, sort of aces, but, you know, not quite. But that's more than you had the year before. And the year before, you thought you were going to come in and compete. So, you know, this is yeah, this might be the year. They, they might get in. They might not. Yeah, and, and both of you kind of mentioned it with um, Rendon being obviously a key addition. But, Jude, what did you think about – because, like, you, you see on social media, and especially maybe not at the time when the signing happened, but as the season kind of played on, you kind of felt people were like, well, you know, you kind of settled for Rendon when you should have spent that cash on uh, Garrett Cole. But when you saw – uh, the Angels go in that direction instead of spending that money, the Yankee money on Cole. Um, do you think kind of hindsight being 2020, do you think that was the right move or do you think they still should have went, you know, even more so than the Yankees in on Cole? Uh, you know what, man, that's a really, really tough question to ask because, you know, on one hand you're having, you know, the best pitcher in the league, you know, uh, statistically, if you're looking at, you know, advanced statistics. And then on the other hand, you have the best third baseman in the league who you're going to get cheaper um, but it's, it's, again, you know, two things you really needed for this team. And to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't – I'm not too upset now, you know, uh, a year almost after it's happened. Uh, I like Rendon. Uh, I'm not sure if I was Angels, if I could go back and change it. I'm not sure if I would pick up Cole because uh, it just – it's a really tough question to ask once you've already seen Rendon for a year. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with, uh, stick with Rendon. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, this is uh, something I talked to friends with quite a bit. I think the price tag that Cole ended up being on was was far too high. I think it makes sense for the Yankees. The Yankees were a team who really just needed to add pitching, and that was it. Um, the Angels needed pitching, but also needed a few other pieces. And then to throw all that money just at Garrett Cole um, for pitching, I think would have been way too much for the Angels. Um, if I had to pick between Rendon and Cole, it, it would have been Rendon. I wish we could have gotten some of those. Uh, lower tier people, uh, pitchers at Ryu, Keiko, um, 
Wheeler. That's that's kind of what my hope was going into the offseason. Um, but when it comes down to Cole and Rendon, I think going for Rendon was the better choice there. So, obviously, um, COVID-19 happened, coronavirus happened, and uh, spring training shut down completely. Um, a lot of the season talk was if it's going to happen, not going to happen. Um, but, Andrew, first, did you even think this season was going to happen when everything kind of got shut down? Uh, yeah, I thought there's too much to lose on both sides um, for no season to happen. I think from both the owner's perspective uh, of the profit share and then from the player's perspective as well as the money they're trying to make and a lot of guys, uh, of course, they're going to free agency would have been hurt a lot by not having um, a season. And you think, I mean, in the grand scheme, most most players don't make over a million dollars. So a lot of those players still, you know, are trying to make money and trying to get their spot in the league. So I thought there's too much to lose not to have a season. Um, when it came down to like May, it kind of became clear to me that it wasn't COVID-19 that was going to delay the season. It was, <laughs> it was kind of the, the arguments between yeah. players and owners and, and the mess that that became. Um, but I was still pretty sure, confident that they would they'd get it figured out. What about you, Jude? Uh, you know, going into about when the, uh, when the NBA was shut down, I was like, okay, well, by now there's virtually no chance we're going to get a full 162. And so time passed, you know, I'm like, okay, May, June, we'll probably get out of 100 games, something like that. And then we end up in July with almost no season. And then you're hearing reports about, you know, uh, eight owners reportedly say they don't want to have a season in 2020. So it's just, it's things like that, you know, it's like, this really scared me as a fan. Uh, I don't think I ever really completely gave up hope, but I was really skeptical, you know, before the, the, uh, uh, the weeks before the announcement was made. Yeah, that was the thing that was a scary part for us, too, as far as um, not knowing exactly. And then us even reaching out or myself reaching out to people and <laughs> that work for MLB or cover the MLB. And they they're mm-hmm. still don't even know what the heck's going on. I'm like, you're the kind of person I go to when I'm going <laughs> to ask these information and they're just still not sure. So, yeah, that was definitely a, a scary time for fans. And I'm sure a lot of the players, too. But so they end up settling on a 60 game. What ended up being a sprint um, extended playoffs. um, you know, we're kind of seeing the effects of that right now and how much fun that could be. But um, once the season started picking up and you had the new rule changes and you had, um, like I mentioned, the 60-game sprint and the extended playoffs, um, Jude, how, did your expectations now for the Angels change from when they originally what – what they originally were? Uh, so going into um, the regular season, just the full 162, I had the Angels winning about 88 games-ish. Uh, that was my, you know, threshold. And then for the uh, the short season after the COVID announcement, COVID sixty game season, my final record prediction changed to uh, thirty two and twenty eight. And from for me, my uh, me choosing that it wasn't really based on you know like where they're going to finish because after hearing you know that's going to be um, the uh, extended uh, playoffs form, I was like, oh, you know, they're going to make the playoffs no matter what. So really, the only thing you're worried about at that point is getting into the playoffs. So. My expectations, I guess I was um, not really expecting them to change much on the record front, but for sure they were going to get into the postseason going into the 60 games, but clearly uh, that did not transpire. (laughs) What about you, Andrew? (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there, Jude. I was at about, uh, yeah, just over 30 games. um, And then when the expanded playoff news broke, I'm like, oh, for sure, game. You could probably find comments on the page of me saying we're for sure going to get into the playoffs. Um, Because that's where the expectations were, and I don't think those were unrealistic expectations. Um, I think that's that's what we really expected out of this team. I think that's what the team expected. Um, But... I think that the, the issue of the six-game season is if you get off to a slow start, you're, you're in some trouble, and that, that's what ended up happening with our team. 
Yeah, the 60-game season is very, a very low bar as far as, you know, going on a losing streak or having kind of what happened with the Angels. Uh, bullpen caution you. Well, I can't remember the final number. The final number had to be around 14, 15 blown saves. Yeah, I think and, that's what it was. And, yeah. and if you get, you know, 10 of those, if you just keep it the 10 blown saves, which is still kind of a lot. But even five. Whole, yeah, it's a whole different, <laughs> a different situation in there. But, yeah, I think I was the same one with you guys. I was just like, all right, cool. Like, if we should be the top eight. Like, originally, I wasn't sure if they are going to make the playoffs. I think if everything clicked like they wanted to and, and, and they could have made the 162 playoffs. But um, going into the extended playoffs, I was like, oh, I don't see how they're not a top eight team, and especially now that um, – at that time, there were so many questions about uh, Houston and just kind of how they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, handle this season. And um, the A's, you kind of figured we're going to be competitive no matter what. But, yeah, it was kind of a, uh, dis- disheartening to see that such a slow start at the beginning of the season and, and kind of wish, like like I, th- I think any Angel fan, that um, those bullpen roles were kind of solidified a little bit earlier. It seemed like they did towards the end of the year, but um, – kind of too little too late kind of what yeah. um i guess angel fans unfortunately are kind of used to but mm-hmm. um kind of on the positive side right now um surprised during the season i think even though you're right they didn't make the playoffs and it was kind of a disappointment in that end um surprised during the season i'm talking about you know maybe a certain player a certain game or a certain kind of stretch of games that uh caught your eye and i'll go with andrew first yeah, I was really excited to see the amount of playing time a lot of the younger guys were getting and the success they're having with that. Um, Taylor Ward, Jared Walsh in the season, uh, they are absolute studs. And, and that was something I saw in those Madden line, lineups early on and going into the 60-game season. You st- talked about uh, these younger guys being on, on the 30-28 man roster and they were going to get playing time. So um, I was excited to see that. I was pretty surprised to see how much of them coming through um, and how much they were playing. Um, but in a good way, because they ended up doing a lot at that time. I uh, wish we could have seen more out of Matt Feist, but um, the other guys did pretty well. And what about you, Jude? Uh, you know, surprises, uh, as far as 2020 goes, man, there's a lot of them. I mean, the, you could go with Mike Myers, you know, who came yeah. in from where, you know, from the <laughs> uh, put on waivers by the Cardinals, and then right. just Epler picks him up out of nowhere, and the guy comes in, pitches 30 innings, 210 ERA, 275 Sierra. I mean, one of the best relievers in the league this year. And then you have Jared Walsh, you know, come up and have just an electric 30-game streak. You know, in 2019, you saw his stats in the PSL. You knew the dude could match. You know, it's a, it's a mini cores as far as the league goes, you know, hitting numbers yeah. are going to be inflated. But to lead the league and have those numbers that he did in 2019, the 36 homers, the 1109 OPS, to come up and match, it's not exactly a surprise, but it's great to see that, you know, he made the adjustments that were necessary. Yeah, you know, I think... To, uh, to, to, you know, p- produce on the major league level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Walsh, um, and especially that last month, I, I think in a lot of ways he carried that team offensively. Um, you had him... And you had uh, uh, one thing, too, I want to see. You know, I don't know if this is probably going to be one of your disappointments or whatever because you kind of turned it around. But Upton, um, the roller coaster year he had, obviously off to a horrendous start, um, got benched for the most part, got put on part-time duty for the most part. But then mm-hmm. you started seeing him come around in that later, that later uh, last month, I believe, where, uh, you know, he batted close to, you know, granted it's a small sample size, but he was batting close to 300 for that last month, a uh, handful of home runs. Upton is such a, not a polarizing figure, but such a 
I think a lot of fans always have questions about him as far as can we get rid of him? Why is he still playing? What is your guys' feel on, on Justin Upton? And we'll go with uh, Jude first. You know, when you first trade for Justin Upton in that, uh, I think it was that 2017 uh, season in, yeah. uh, in August when you're, you know, trying to make that playoff run, you're like, oh my God, this guy's like, he's a monster this year in Detroit, 36 home runs. He's hitting almost what, 300. And then to bring him in and see him, you know, play so, so, you know, middlingly in that, that month with the Angels. And then you resign him, you extend him, whichever, you know, whichever word it is. You're like, okay, well, this guy's a proven bat. And then these last few years, you just, you see him come in and you're like, man really this is like you know he just the, the numbers weren't there he was uh league average in 2019 this year he somehow you know after having two of the worst the worst and the best stretches of his career back to back he somehow ended up league average as well but yeah. it just it, it's not what you're paying for you know you're paying well, i don't know what his aav is what is it 25 or 26 but that's you know that's a lot more money than you know you should be going to someone who's not performing you know so you know up to his standards yeah, what about you, Andrew? What are your thoughts about uh, Justin Upton? Yeah, yeah, Jude's spot on with that. Um, I think Angels fans in, in general, for the right reasons, are frustrated with paying these big contracts and not having them pay off. We've kind of gotten used to seeing that in the last decade. Um, and so for that reason, you get you get quick to jump on these guys who, who fail to produce to those numbers. Um, Upton has these really nice stretches where you feel like it's coming out of it and then, and then things seem to change. Um, it's hard to say this year what that would have been. He came into spring training um, and looked fantastic, uh, both physically and, and then just at the plate. Looked really comfortable, was excited. Uh, he voiced his just excitement to get on the field and not be someone that we're going to have to worry about. Um, and so he had that slow start, but then picked it up through September. And it, it would have been really interesting to see if we had a full season, what that would have looked like um, at Upton. Yeah, and obviously Upton's up there in age. Um, the bullpen guys seem to be struggling when they the season started do you think that is a direct effect of the you know ramping up for spring training uh shutting back down to completely nothing trying to get back up and you know a couple weeks time for the most part and trying to get out there and pitch serious innings do you think that had uh, uh, anything to do with the struggles not only offensively from guys like upton but uh, obviously the bullpen uh andrew i'll go with you first yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned this earlier that it took time to kind of for the Angels to settle in what the bullpen looked like. And with the spring training, you you really don't have to face that problem. You get a month to get these guys in and sift through who who's going to be your dependable guys. And um, you move through a 162-game season and, and things flutter, but you kind of have the right idea. Um, and so getting these guys kind of in their stride, it, it takes time for an MLB pitcher to do that. Um, and so absolutely, I think the lack of that spring training and, and having some short season definitely played an impact on that. And what about you, Jude? How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, it was, uh, I think it was a lot of factors that, you know, come into it. One, you have the new manager, Joe Madden, who's coming in off, you know, from completely different side of the league. He's never seen the angels. So he's, he's completely brand new with every single player that's on the field for him, you know, aside from what is it? Just Listella. Um, and so, and then you're uh, having a bunch of guys, like we said earlier about Epler, just, you know, pulling out guys from the waivers. So he had Myers who actually works out, but, you know, uh, just the bullpen had, you know, it had struggled big time. And when you're coming in, you know, the, the chemistry is definitely not there, uh, in the bullpen, the, uh, the coaching chemistry isn't there either, you know, not everyone knows, you know, whose role is what yet. And when you're trying to get everything defined like that, it's just, it's, it's hard to get all the stars to line up. And that's why probably they struggled so, so mightily. 
Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's just hard to kind of gear up, then gear back down, and then try to get back in that um, mindset again so quickly. But you, you kind of mentioned it right there with Joe Madden being in the the – obviously the new manager of the angels this year, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement coming around with that. Um, you know, granted it's his first season with the angels, but you saw two first year managers also make it to the playoffs this year with um, Rossi out in Chicago. Granted, he probably played with most of those guys, but um, also San Diego with a first time manager. Um, what were your thoughts Tingler, about, right? what was that? Tingler, right? Yeah, Tingler. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on um, Joe? Do you think he was going to make an effect right away, or do you think this is something that's going to have to kind of happen prolonged? Like it might take a couple of years for him to get um, his like hands on how the Angels are going to play, and I'll go with uh, Andrew first. Yeah, I don't think it'll take a couple of years. Um, hopefully this year he, he got a good feel of what these guys are. And I think that was part of his MO and trying to play a lot of these young guys. He's trying to sift through the young talent the Angels had and see what he wants to kind of um, hopefully stick in his staples. Um, you look at you look at his first year at the Rays, you look at his first year um, with the Cubs, and those were two losing teams. And I remember looking at the beginning of the season, I'm like, uh, perhaps the Angels go that way. And it turns out they did. So doesn't necessarily mean we're going to you know go to the World Series next year, but um, hopeful that he, he he got an understanding for what this team has, especially with those young players, and he can go ahead and put them to effect um, come spring next year. And what about you, Jude? Uh, so on, on first announcement, you know, Joe Madden is like the household name, you know, when it comes to managers. So when you're hearing, you know, the Angels are, you know, they're going to pick up Joe Madden, you're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. You know, we go from having Sosha, who for what, like six years, no playoffs, Osmus, you know, tough first year. And then you're getting, you know, the premier manager as far as name value in the league. And then we get to July, uh, August, the season is about to start. And he's they announced us ex- expanded playoffs. And then you hear him say, Oh yeah, we were planning on making it anyway. You're like, oh yeah, this you know this guy's taking us to the promised land, baby. We're gonna we're making it, and then oh, you know, and oh, um, so I'm I'm not quite sure, you know, what it was for him. You know, you know, he is new. You know, he doesn't have any chemistry like we said earlier about with any of the players. But it's just it's it's baffling, you know, with such a such a strong you know strong core, and and you know, there's no real like massive flaws with the team they're just you know there's just like some some things need to be done in you know to make things work out the way they need to and then kind of like on that note disappointments throughout the year i think a lot of of people off the bat will say pitching um and i think rightfully so you know uh, i think you uh, bullpen guys some starting pitchers but um what were some of the disappointments you guys had that might have been surprising to you like you thought, oh, this guy's going to come in and he's at least going to do this and, and maybe just really under um, was under those expectations. And I'll ask Andrew first. Yeah, for me, um, for me, it was Otani. Um, of course, for him getting injured pitching, but uh, and kind of his struggle with the plate, but it was really watching him play and watching him hit these he's, these speed bumps and t- just totally get, get shut down in a spot. Um, you saw him, just the mentality, he, he looked – uncomfortable on the mound when he started getting hits and that of course that that first game was 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 struggle to watch and then the second game he came out had a beautiful first inning second inning gave up I think maybe a walk or a hit and then just you saw the the mental frustration take place and his body language completely changed um, and you saw the same thing at the plate throughout the season as he struggled um, so for me it was that it, that that mentality of Otani and the way he kind of suffered in that in that realm it was nice to see him get a little break at the end and then come back and, and hit two home runs in that little stretch but 
Um, I was definitely hoping for a more consistent, productive season out of him. How do you feel about him continuing the the two way role? Him wanting to do it um, even into next year? Yeah, I think it, I think it's way too early to shut the door on that. I think when we get around to spring training next year and you get him in. Um, some starts before the season, we can hopefully get a better idea of where he stands with pitching. Cause you saw some of the, like, like I said, I mean, that one inning he had, unfortunately it's just one inning on the season, but the brilliant Shohei Otani that we'd love to see when he was throwing his full power, like that inning was fantastic. And unfortunately we got, I mean, I don't know how many innings in total we saw from this year, right. but three or four. So it's hard to shut the door on that. Cause that he brings so much value if he can come in and be, and be a stud pitcher. So um, by all means, I think, I think we need to continue to pursue that path. And Jude, what are uh, a player or, or or something that disappointed you this year that you thought was going to perform better? Uh, you know, you could go. You know, you could go with Otani. You could go with Upton. You could even go with you know the trade deadline. You know, what did they do? They they didn't do anything. Uh, for me, the the main disappointment that that really sticks out for me uh, is, and you know, it, it's it's hard to you know to be so tough you know uh, on him, but it's for me, it's Joe Adele. I mean, you're you're calling up you know, a rookie and the whole, the whole fan base is like, you know, this kid is the future. He's, he's going to be great. You know, next Mike Trout, yada, yada, yada. And then they bring him up and he, you know, gets off to a rough start and it's like, man, he doesn't look too good. You know, obviously uh, any rookie, you know, they're, they're not just, you know, going to immediately succeed. Mike Trout in his first, you know, 40 ish, you know, game stint in the bigs had an OPS under 700. I think like that's not Mike Trout numbers. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be too judgy on this, but to see him come up and struggle, you know, so badly uh, at the big league level was kind of concerning. What, Jude, what did you think about him? Obviously there was a lot of talk about him coming into a 162 season and people were asking if he was going to break camp with the team in the regular uh, season. Um, but so like in spring training, did you want to see him? And again, this is with the idea of a minor league uh season going on but did you want to see him down in salt lake did you want him to develop there or were you hoping that he was going to break camp with the with the with the big league team um right out of tempe so i'd actually been asked that question a lot uh following the 2019 season you know when when's joe adele going to come up you know it's it's almost time isn't it and um you really see the the big thing for me was joe adele's 2019 in uh pcl which you know like we said is you know it's a bit of a hitter friendly environment he struggled in 2019 like he was bad and then so i'm thinking you know even if he has a good spring training i don't really know if if you're going to want to bring this bat up because it, it was not very good you know it's not even uh, replacement level serviceable. So my hope was that he was going to have a strong 2020 and they bring him up maybe, you know, if they're in the position to in, you know, uh, September or August, depending on, you know, the injury situation. But yeah, that, that's, that's really where I, where I stood with Adele prior to this season. And then I'm curious with, go ahead. So I was curious kind of with both of you guys, I think what your thoughts are on it being the 60 game season. And no minor league season, was there some bit of an idea at least get him up just to get some competitive games in and hope for, for some development there? Go ahead, oh, I think for sure. I think for sure that's, you know, that's what the plan was, you know, because I'm not sure why, you know, you would be bringing up a, a rookie to start and start for a contending team like the White Sox did. And it worked out, you know, decently well for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just, you know, so I'm like, I, you know, that's got to be part of the mindset, you know, let, let this the rookie, you know, it's what the hell's going on anyway, throw him in there. Um, but I think uh, I think it may have been kind of a brash decision because uh, of the sixty game season. But hey, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's what how many games did he play? Thirty ish, forty. So you can't really you know put too much uh, stock into it. 
No, you're right. And that was kind of my thought too, going into the, again, a, the, a 162 season. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to come up until, you know, July, August, if, or, or unless there's like, you know, a, a, a number of injuries or whatever. But, you know, seeing him play in Ellen Empire a lot and then kind of following him when he went out to uh, um, Mobile and then eventually, like you said, Salt Lake and even to his time out in um, – uh, Arizona Fall League, uh, you know, those every time he started a new level, and you can see it in his numbers, he's always struggled. Always, I remember coming seeing him at an Inland Empire for his first like three or four games, and you're just kind of thinking to yourself, like, this is the guy that's like, at the, I think he was at the time like number two or three in the organization, and you're just kind of like, all right, well, we'll see. And then he had a stretch where he, you know, it seemed like he was batting like 500 and hitting like four home runs in, in like, you know, three weeks kind of deal. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I didn't think he was going to get enough playing time underneath his belt um, for spring training for him to break camp. And then obviously when everything happened and there was no games in the, in the minor league system and you hear that like, well, they're going to be on alternative side and they're going to play like inner squad games. I'm thinking that's okay. But you know, at a certain point you're going to want to have them up like, kind of like you said, uh, against actual major league pitchers. And I think the angels kind of had in their head that he was going to come up sooner or later in 2020 with a regular season. So it wasn't like, Oh, well, you know, let's not burn a year. It's like, well, we are already planning to burn a year on of his, of his, you know, uh, usage might as well as keep him up here and, and, and let him use it. I just, it was a little more, it was quicker than I thought it was going to be for the 60 game season, but I did expect him at some point to come up and get at bats against actual MLB uh, type players. So yeah, I, I just honestly thought, you know, what the hell you might as well. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think, I think obviously he would have been benefited greatly. Um, if he, if there was a minor league system and minor league games and he can work out on some of this stuff. So, uh, some other new things that happened for baseball in 2020 were some of the new rules this year, obviously coming in, even before COVID happened, we knew about the three pitcher minimum rule, but some of the new rules that came up, um, the ones that kind of pop off the top of my head right away are the universal DH, the, um, I guess you want to call it a ghost runner on second base for extra innings. Um, you know, out of all those rules and I'm sure like the seven inning double header or whatever, I'm probably missing a couple, but, um, I'll go with Andrew. Andrew, where were some of the rules you liked? You didn't like maybe some of the rules that you want to see back next year. Yeah. I think the biggest one is that extra inning rule. We saw a lot of games, uh, come down to that. And the teams with strong bullpens uh, thrive in that situation and Angels not having a strong bullpen did not thrive in those games and, and put in those situations. Um, I'd like to see. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. 
Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. In the grand scheme moving forward, I think I'd like to see that rule put into place I'd say in the 13th inning, give, give the yeah. teams three innings to kind of figure it out. Um, because those marathon games, while they can be exciting, they're, they're tough on teams. And when you got a team that has to go and, and use, you know, seven pitchers in one game and then play the next day um, less than 24 hours later, that's, that's difficult for a team to do. It can be dangerous when you're forcing pitchers out like that. Um, so I'd like to see that kind of push more into the 13th inning, give teams, you know, three innings to try to figure it out um, in, in a normal play. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I've actually mentioned that when it first came is that, that that's the minor league rule has been for a while. So it wasn't necessarily a shock for me to see it. But yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. It's kind of like an NHL with, 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 you know, a shootout, you know, let them try to figure out, let them give a period to figure out if they can figure out that way. And if not, okay, cool. Now we can, can go to a shootout and speed it up because I've been to those a couple of like an 18 inning game and a 16 yeah. inning game. And like, you want to see what happens at the end. Cause you're already so much invested, but at the end of it, you're just, you're tired. I can't imagine what's going on with the players that have been on the field yeah. the whole time. Um, and Jude, what about you? How do you feel about some of these, uh, these rules that came into the season? Uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, stretching the runner on second base uh, to the 13th thing, I think that's a great shout. That's a great idea. If they were to proceed with that, uh, that rule, I think that'd be great. Um, another rule that I thought uh, was actually uh, surprisingly worked out pretty well was the uh, seventh inning double header rule. Uh, they announced it would like, I, I think a few weeks into the season, actually, it wasn't even a thing going into it. So there were already several yeah. nine inning doubleheaders that had taken place before. I think it was because of the whole Marlins COVID situation. They had, they knew they had to somehow speed these games up because there was going to be so many of them. Right. Because you had the Mar or the Cardinals having to play uh, 53 games in 44 days, which is just, yes, man. And then they had to <laughs> go into the postseason next too. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a rule that, uh, that may carry, on uh, to next year, depending on, you know, uh, how the winter meetings go and what's the, the player's opinion on it. But, yeah, I think that that's the one that uh, sticks with me the most. How do you guys feel about the universal DH? I mean, obviously, you know, myself and Andrew, obviously Angel fans kind of since the beginning, but you mentioned before, dude, you, you, you followed the Braves a little bit, and that's the NL. That's a whole different type of baseball. But how do you feel about the universal DH um, continuing uh, past this season, dude? You know, it's it's really fun when you see, uh, you know, you pull out your phone and you see uh, Madison Bumgarner two homer game. You're like, wow, you know, that's that's one of the great things about this sport. There's so much variety. It's baseball. You know, like you throw something out into the ether and then baseball is going to send you back something crazy like with the Marlins or in the playoffs, you know, just these these crazy things that happen. But I think at the same time, you know, if um, if we're trying talking about, you know, just like balancing the game. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, the right uh, way to proceed because it's been this this way for over 100 years at least, you know, with uh, with DH and non-DH or maybe less. But, um, uh, you know, it's – I don't know. I don't know how much I like having, you know, one league have a DH, you know, and one, you know, having the pitcher hit. It's been that way for a while. But since, you know, they've changed it, you know, they've experimented it, it looks like it's gone pretty well. Uh, you know, means more money for players who, you know, Nelson Cruz type players or Edwin Encarnacion type players, because now you can go play on the NL as well. And, you know, DH. So I think it's uh, overall, you know, it, it should stick around if they uh, if they make that decision this offseason. How about you, Andrew? How do you feel about the universal DH? Yeah, I, I personally do like it. I think the MLB itself is in a place right now where they're trying to attract new fans and, 
um, expand the game. And so in that sense, they're trying to make a lot of changes to increase offense because people like seeing offense and, and um, increase that, that so-called like interesting part of the game. Um, and there's a lot of changes that are uh, not great for the game. And there's some that are, you know, don't have a huge impact on the game. Personally, for me, I don't think DH making universal DH is going to have a, a huge, like negative impact on the game per se. Um, like the three pitcher minimum rule and things like that. Um, so I'm for it. Um, I, I personally, you know, I'll miss when the angels go to NL ballparks and <laughs> get to see our, our pitchers get all, all skinny and in the box. But um, I, I like keeping that idea. Yeah. Yeah. To me. And, and Jude kind of mentioned it too. It's like, you have now these opportunities for these older guys, like a Nelson Cruz, like, um, all your older first basemen that eventually are going to kind of work your way out of right. that, you know, uh, now they can, when they hit, when they do hit the free agent market or, or maybe they are looked about in a trade market, they're not limited to only half the teams, you know, now, uh, you know, the Cubs can look for someone or, you know, the, the Mets can look for a DH or, you Cubs know, like Castellanos. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it can yeah. totally, it's, it's going to be interesting to see at the end of this year and the winter meetings and all that stuff, if they decide to keep, or uh, to keep the DH or maybe they say, Hey, maybe 2021, we go back to normal with the idea of going full-time DHs in 2022 to give the NL teams time to kind of structure their franchise the way they want to, because that kind of, like you said, like there's probably, you know, teams that are like, man, if we would have known we were going to have a DH in 2020, we wouldn't have got rid of this guy. Or maybe we took mm-hmm. a more serious look at this guy in the off season kind of deal. And, and we would have just, just stuck him at DH and not have to worry about it. So I wonder if they're going to give, the, the clubs, the NL clubs, some time to be like, okay, it's not happening next year, but it's definitely going to happen in the next two or three years. So kind of get your uh, house in order as far as, you know, you know, if you want to extend this guy because he's going to be DH the last four years of his contract and you'll have, you'll have that opportunity. Another thing that that's didn't, a really good point. Yeah. So another thing that didn't happen this year, but it's always kind of been talked about for the last two years is automated umpires. Um, umpires kind of had a rough season. It seemed like more so this year than years past. Um, automated strike zones is, I guess, coming sooner or later from which some, some, from where you read some places. But Andrew, how do you feel about the automated uh, uh, umpires behind the plate? Yeah, I, I flutter back and forth on this one. Um, I mean, the traditionalist in me wants wants to keep that human element in the game, um, but then you <laughs> you lose a game because of bad call, and 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 it's it, it's painful. Um, so I can't say I have, I have a definitive stance on it. Um, I I think. I'd be happy with, with honestly either way it goes. I think there's definitely positive things that'll come out that would come out of doing an automated strike zone. Um, it would take a lot of uh, just, just leave. It would leave the game in the hands of the skills of the player rather than risking it falling to, to um, just the, the, the eye of the umpire. Yeah. What about you, Jude? How do you feel about an automated strike zone? I think, I think the umpires, um, I think the umpires, obviously yeah, they did, they had a rough 2020, obviously, you know, it seemed like the spotlight was just always on the umpire. There's always, uh, you know, so much going on, uh, or, you know, controversy with, um, with umpires, but I can't really, you know, give out an opinion on this until, you know, I, we don't really know what robotic umpires is, it, you know, what, what's it going to be, you know, is it right. going to be just like a, you know, they're going to use cameras or, you know, I just, uh, until you have like a full understanding of how it would work. I don't know. Uh, I think it's too early to, you know, officially say, Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that'd be a great idea. No, that makes it great. That makes that makes a lot of sense. You kind of have to see the system and how it would work, and you know, is it uh, you know because it did kind of they did mess with it a little bit um, at the Arizona Fall League this last year, I believe. Uh, Salt River Fields 
and another stadium out there had the automatic strike zone. And what it was was cameras, but they also had, you know, uh, AirPods, I think it was, in the umpire's ears. And, you know, someone would – yeah, I don't know if someone someone – physically said strike or ball or if maybe if they heard like a chime okay that's a strike or whatever so i mean they are kind of messing with this so we're going to have to see if they expand on it um, now that the arizona fall league for this year is canceled so maybe that's another thing that gets pushed down the line as uh for maybe 2021 and beyond um so we're gonna take a quick break right now when we get back we're gonna talk about the off season because obviously there's a lot of questions and a lot of um wants a lot of things on the angels wish list this off season so we'll be right back after this Oh, those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks here into multiple peaks here. Cream of crop. Men start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. Oh, yeah. Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce painful nicks and tugs. Yeah, those nicks and tugs are gone. This is their third generation tremor feature in advanced skin safe technology. Oh, yeah. Technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. Yeah, nice and smooth. That's right. And Manscaped engineering team obsess over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. They spend 18 months, yeah, 18 months perfecting that great ball hair trimmer ever created the just released new and improved lawnmower 3.0 yeah the cream of the crop yeah too sweet to be sour yeah. when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery will last you 90 minutes so you can take longer shave and that water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too oh yeah in the shower after that after that long match oh uh-huh, yeah one of the coolest features is the led light that illuminates grooming areas for a closer more precise trimming so many people have written in stories about the lawnmower 3.0 and have sent your man here, yeah. Sent them pictures so I could see the smoothness for myself. And I'll tell you something, man, that ain't kidding, ain't kidding. It's a cream of the crop, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off when you use armchair at manscaped.com. Oh, yeah. You might not be able to get to the game at all this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures now. Head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it.
Hood Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we are back again. We are with Jude from Underneath the Halo and Andrew from Angels Top Plays. Um, so like I kind of mentioned before we went to break, we talked about uh, the Angels offseason. Obviously, Billy Epler um, is gone. Uh, that became official pretty much right when the season ended. Um, but before we get I think to- uh, before the last game even ended. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was like, – yeah, because yeah, I think we were watching the game Sunday and me and Johnny, the next thing I know, I get a, like a thing on my phone. I'm like, well – because we were just, we were like literally just talking about like 20 minutes before it actually happened. I'm like, well, there it is. There's our answer. So yeah. um, before we get talk to the Epler era, there was a lot of talk about tanking you know, about midway, mid, the midway point to this year because of the, where the Angels were relative to the top of the, of the league and the bottom of the league. So I want to start with you, Andrew. How do you feel about tanking um, in Major League, uh, Major league Baseball? Yeah, I think in Major League Baseball, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, fans tend to overvalue the uh, – valued. Oh, I'm sorry. Fans tend to overvalue draft picks. Um, in baseball, you, your, your draft picks aren't as valuable as what you kind of see in football. In, in football, you can draft a guy that can make an immediate impact in that first year after you draft him. In baseball, you're drafting someone that you hope can come along um, and make an impact in a few years. And, and most of those guys that get drafted in the first round don't come and make a huge impact. You want to go back and look at, like, the, the 2014 – like those kind of 2014, 15, 16, like first rounds, take a look at them and you'll see a lot of those names you won't recognize because those aren't guys who either made a huge impact or never even made the league to begin with. Um, so people, I don't think tanking for a draft pick is necessarily um, the right thing to do. Um, I think when it comes to this season, um, people got really excited about Kubar Roker and, and the potential that, that he has, but at the end of the day, he's, he's still got a lot uh, of developing to do. And you, it's hard to bet on that in baseball. Yeah, exactly. Jude, how do you feel about tanking in baseball? Uh, you know, to uh, before I you know, begin on my own point, to even follow up that, you know, if you tank, you're not even guaranteed the first pick. Yeah. You know, if you're, yeah, yeah. you're a franchise exactly. you know, going into the 60-game season, ah, 60 games, let's tank. You know, what, you know there's no guarantee you're going to get that first pick or even the second pick, even a top five pick. But um, on tanking in general, I've never been a fan of tanking primarily because, like, the obvious high-risk, high-reward scenario by gambling for that top pick. You know, mm-hmm. um, not only as we just spoke about the the, it's a gamble. You're also like middling around for what five plus years, hopefully <laughs> yeah. trying to get good picks. Like it's not you know really something that the Angels need to endure right now, or any team would even want to endure. No, you're yeah. right, and like the only way tanking really works in baseball is that you compile assets like you, you like like andrew said one guy isn't going to make the difference but if you do what the astros did right tank for like five six years and then yeah you get six first pick overall guys and you know and three of them hit then you're in a great situation but you know with the angels being a situation that they are with trout like you, you you really can't afford to, to do that kind of full-on tanking and tanking for a single year is not going to necessarily have a huge effect unless you get one of these out of this world, once on the lifetime kind of guy. But even then that, that dude can be a pick 15. You, you just never know uh, how, how that works out. And, 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 you know, like, like Andrew said, I, I agree, I completely agree completely with you guys is just basketball. You can tank and get a, the first overall pick and he can be, you know, the leading scorer the next year or the same thing in football. You can draft the, the quarterback number one and now your playoff team. Uh, baseball doesn't work that way. It's definitely more so of a team sport. You need more uh, of a 
places or people surrounding yeah, that, I, that place that place yeah exactly and if you're going to tank for several years i mean it's not necessarily tank that you're in a rebuild mode yeah that's um, a, yeah exactly and, and you're right you can't just tank for one year and hope it's going to make a huge difference so spot on yeah so um kind of like we mentioned the billy epler era is over um five years with the angels a lot of mix feelings i think i i've seen online uh, about it and very polarizing you know, billy epler is very yes nice. yeah exactly and that, that's what i was going to ask you guys you know obviously both you guys like we mentioned before run uh, uh social media sites and, and, and pages and so i'm sure you get a lot of feedback uh one way or the other about something like this so jude what is what are your thoughts about epler and then what are you kind of seeing in your platform from from people commenting and, and stuff like that on on the epler era the reason, or not the reason, sorry, the uh, reaction I got uh, from the media and, you know, online, my phone, everything, it, it truly, it did surprise me. You know, when Benny, Ep- Benny Epler, when Billy Epler was fired, uh, it, it wasn't quite because he was a bad GM. You know, he made several great acquisitions. He brought in Anthony Rendon. He drafted David Fletcher. He signed Shohei Otani. You know, they re-signed Upton, which looked to be, you know, the right move at the time. And they extended Trout, which is probably mm-hmm. the biggest one of all Huge. of those. Huge. Uh, so right. coming coming into 2015, when he uh, gets his job from uh, Jerry Depoto, the team left for him was kind of a disaster. I mean, you know, you have the the same semi, you know, let's compete slash let's not roster that they have now, but the farm was it was a wasteland. They had nobody down there, and now you know there's a team that's sort of close to contending, you know, missing a few pieces, and then an actual above-average farm. You got a potential future, Sar and uh, Joe Adele. You know, you got Brandon Marsh, Reed Detmers, Packy Naughton, who uh, Billy Epler picked mm-hmm. up for uh, for Brian Goodwin. You know, it's 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 uh, the team's in a lot better better situation for sure than uh, than what he was given. So I think he deserves some credit. I think Billy Epler deserves a lot more credit than he's getting. And how do you feel about him, uh, Andrew? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I'm, I'm pro Billy Epler. I wouldn't have minded even seeing him stick around for another year and kind of see what comes together. Um, but Jude hit the spots that he, he did really well on. Um, the feedback I've gotten on, the negative feedback I've gotten is pretty much the only you know, thing people have mentioned is, is good riddance he never got pitching. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily falls on him. I kind of, in my uh, season-ending post, I kind of touched upon that. Um, there's... Artie Moreno is a very active owner. Um, he definitely has, a, has a, a vision for what he wants his team to look like, and he's put a lot of emphasis and a lot more attention into investing in offense, and that's left Billy Epler to kind of look for um, bottom of the barrel for these pitchers, and he's done great with that. I mean, bringing in um, – uh, it, it's hard to do, so I'm like not every guy's going to be hit, but Dylan Bundy was someone that, you know, he kind of sprayed for. Huge Bundy, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that – I mean, Epler, Epler definitely kind of had that eye for pitching. Um, guys like Hanzo Robles, who struggled this year, but before that um, was solid. And and when you aren't getting that um, necessarily being able to, I guess, function fully as a GM and kind of address the team needs the way that perhaps he thinks they need to be addressed, um, it can be difficult. So when you look at kind of that stuff that he did, I think he did a really good job um, given kind of what, for sure and team that he was trying to create there's even more you know than just those few when you go back i mean you have blake parker had a great Mm -hmm. year uh they they brought keenan middleton from you know from uh uh from seemingly you know from nowhere and that's that's a lot of pieces that they've had over the last few years you could probably count up you know maybe like seven or eight total bullpen acquisitions he's made within a five year span like it's not bad you know there's i don't think there's anything that he's done 
with this team that that you could quite say is is bad. He I I couldn't find a bad trade that he's made for this team. I haven't found you know he's had a few signings that are just you know, but it's for one year. What's what's the worst that could happen? You know, it's done, it's done. But as a manager, he rarely took many L's, whether it was in trades or free agency. So, or a general manager, sorry. And like I said, I think he just deserves you know a tons more credit than he's getting. Yeah, and kind of the thing, and you guys both mentioned it. The Bundy signing was huge, and I remember when that first initially happened because Bundy struggles in Baltimore, we're getting a lot of reaction on our side about, you know, what is he doing? Who is this guy? Do you see his numbers? He got lit up, blah, blah, blah. You know, but in my eyes, that's the same kind of signing where you had like a um, uh, Matt Harvey where it's like, hey, we're going to give it a shot. If it doesn't work, if he can't get back to the way he was before, then then whatever, good riddance. You know, it, it, it looks bad because it didn't work. But if if for some miraculous reason, Harvey turns into Bundy and goes back to what he was when he was with the Mets in the playoffs. Now Eppers looked like a genius and all, and nothing happened. Right. It was strictly on the player. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of things Epler did was high risk, high reward. So obviously you're going to strike out, a, you know, probably just as much as you're going to hit on with certain signings, you know, and obviously love, people love bringing up the Cahills, like I said, the Harveys and, and, and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, yeah. you know, you, you pick up Goodwin, off of waivers from from the Royals, right? And, and, and turned him into a and, top fifteen prospect, right? right. And and, and, yeah. and not only that, you you actually got legit production out of him for the year and a half ish. He was you know mm-hmm. with the team, so to me, it, you know, it, it's hard to judge a GM by just straight wins and losses because he can put the guys in the situation, but if the guys don't you know produce, like hey, you know, all my all my uh, advisors and my eye and all this, I said he was going to do this and he didn't do it. Like, you know, my bad. Like, I don't know how you put it off. And then even too, kind of going with the Artie thing. And we've talked about this on the podcast and I've said it too, like these GMs, you know, they're like kids in a, in a, in a toy store. You know, of course they want every single shiny toy that comes out, every single shiny toy, no matter how much it is. It's all, the owner is like the parent. Like if the parent only gives right. a kid, hey, here's yeah. 20 bucks yeah. to go spend. You're like, of course, you're not going to be able to get that brand new, you know, remote control car or whatever. You know, you're going to have to settle for something else. And I felt like that was a lot of it too with Artie was like, hey, you know, we're going to offer him this. And that player's like, fine, we'll offer it. But hey, so-and-so is countering that. And Artie would be the type saying, nope, that's it. We're not, we're not extending it. Mm-hmm. This is my final offer. So again, that's hard for me to to push that on to Billy when it's like, Hey, you know, his, his parent only gave him 40 bucks to spend. And you know, he had to do what he had to do with what that was. Right. It seemed like he was the, the little kid among all the big kid GMs yeah, who could do exactly. what they want with their, uh, with their payroll. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, it, it was frustrating to see and hear. Um, and I think it no more, like, I don't know how this trade would have worked out, but with, with the Jock Peterson and, and, and Ross Stripling trade, you know, I don't know how it would have worked out just because both those guys kind of had iffy seasons. But, you know, the fact that it came out that already was like, you know, hard the reason land. why. Yeah, hard land. This is what we're going to give you. That's it. And like not even really willing to negotiate. And it's like, you know, I, I, I talked to a guy and he's like, yeah, he's, he's like that with everything with his employees. Like, this is how it is. There's no negotiating, yeah. you know, and which it works in his other businesses, but when you're dealing with major league baseball players and, and you're talking negotiations with, you know, star athletes, a lot of times those guys hold the power. And I don't think Artie really realizes right, that. Just that he just doesn't get it is what right. it is. He just doesn't get it. You know, uh, what yeah. for me, what I've been hoping uh, as far as, you know, with the new GM uh, 
opening that we've suddenly created after this season. Uh, this, from from what I'm looking for personally from the next GM, uh, for me, this guy uh, or girl, I guess, if if you know if that's a thing, um, they need to be able to you know take control of the team. They need to be able to make that decision. You know, have have the power. You know, this is your team. You know, do what you will. You need to be bring a guy that you can trust to do that. You know, someone who can bring in impact players and a winning culture. I'm not sure if that's, you know, Dave Dombrowski or, you know, Jeff Lunau, uh, Tony LaRussa or Logan White or any of these guys that are being rumored. But uh, Mm -hmm. for sure, the next guy, whoever he or she is, needs to be able to take control of this team on his own without the uh, metaphorical parent, as you were speaking for, the toy store. Yeah, I think think, just to add on that real quick, I think it's hard to count on that happening, which I'm just counting on Artie Moreno changing his ways, you know. I think it's hopeful, but it, I think it would take a lot before we get to a point where Artie Moreno is, is letting the the GM just work and do their job. No, I think you're right, too. Like, whoever it is needs to be – and this is what scares me about the whole Dombrowski thing. Like, he has a name. He mm-hmm. has some winning in his past, but he's also left kind of some – teams kind of in ruins afterwards track of yeah track yeah. of uh destruction yeah so like but he's a big enough name where our, i think and Artie loves names i think that's that's yeah. not that's not you know uh shit that's not rumors like everyone knows he loves names and it, it, it kind of scares me that he's gonna hire dombrowski and then dombrowski might have that year two years where he can put kind of Artie in his place and we need to do this we need to do that and it might you know, trade so-and-so, trade so-and-so, sign so-and-so. And yeah, you might have a one, two year window, but then after that, it's going to, might look kind of bleak, but he had the respect of Artie. So that's why Artie let it happen. So uh, Andrew, who do you, not who do you want, but what kind of a, a GM do you want to see? Do you want to see a guy that's going to will and deal and, and, and maybe give up some prospects? Or do you like a, a GM that kind of likes to look at maybe the more the analytical numbers and, and try to pick up kind of diamonds in the rough and, and hopefully those work out? Yeah, I think we're in a place, we've been in this place for like the last four years to win now. And we have to find a way to do that without blowing up our farm system. Um, there's guys to deal. There's guys we can deal for sure. But I don't want to walk out of the next, you know, come out of the next five years with with a winning team. But then we got the next, you know, 10, 15 years where we have a, a garbage farm system. I don't. To me, that's not worth it. Um, we need to find a way to both sustain the farm system. Um, we can trade some guys away for some people that can make impacts now. But at the end of the day, we um, – I don't want a GM that'll, that'll just dismantle the farm system for a team that can win for two or three years. Um, I want someone that uh, is good and has solid experience in, in player development and being to build up. Cause we do have uh, what's been created into a, a, a average to above average farm system. Um, and I think we need a GM that, that can really specialize in that player development and bringing some of these young guys uh, to make impacts on the team the next, you know, five years or so. Uh, I'll say something about that. Um, the uh, the whole you know uh, sell you know sell the farm uh, uh, idea that uh, that you you know you mentioned with uh, Dombrowski. Mm-hmm. I think you know we're, we're getting to the point. Mike Trout is 29, 29 or twenty eight years old. He's, in, he's uh, yeah twenty nine. Yeah. He's going to be thirty by next. Right, he's going to be thirty next August. year. The next year he's going to turn thirty. And this is Mike Trout who, you know, don't, we don't need to speak on it. He's Mike Trout. He's a generational type player. You're, there's never going to be another Mike Trout, not for the MLB or the organization. And we're reaching a point where like, okay, you know, it's been a nice nine years where you've been good. 
But, you know, they, they only have, you know, a good five, six years before, you know, he he's probably not going to be that number one player in baseball. So, I mean, if you can, you know, bring a guy in who can have, you know, good player development or be able to uh, make a good team within, you know, three, four years, that's going to leave you with a small window, which begs the question, yeah. you know, maybe it is time to, you know, just say, screw it. Let's let's try. Let's go. You know, let's get Trout a ring or let's die trying. Yeah, that's the thing, too, about baseball like obviously the Dodgers are doing what they're doing but a lot of what they're doing is because they have depth organizational depth to where they can compete every single year what my fear is that okay cool we, we trade guys we do things we sign these you know maybe older players that have like one or two years of prime stuff left but we're signing them to like eight-year deals or whatever you know mm-hmm. and and what my fear is that even if you do get to the playoffs the playoffs you know, and I don't know if they're going to keep it the extended playoffs or not, but just the traditional playoffs is such a crapshoot because if you get high, you, it doesn't matter how good that other team is, you're going to beat them. So right. to me, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say like, yeah, let's all go in for this three-year window when, you know, you can go all in for a three-year window and you can get nothing for it. You can get a ALCS, you know, participation trophy and that's it. Or, or do you build a system to where – maybe that window's now five or six years and maybe now you up your chances because now you're out of those five or six years. Now you're making the playoffs four years instead of maybe two years with an all in kind of mentality and you just kind of keep it going. So it's just, it's one of those things where, yeah, I think some guys are, you can probably go different ways with, with some of the prospects or trade, especially in the outfield, you guys, guys like uh, Jordan Adams, Brandon Marsh, uh, Knowles, uh, uh, those you know, Jones, there's a lot. Adams too. Yeah, yeah. You can you can you can figure out what you want to do with those guys, and you don't need all of them. And maybe you flip a Jordan Adams, who, by all regards, is going to be you know, obviously, we don't know if he's going to be like a multi or all star kind of guy, but he's going to be able to be athletic. He's going to be able to yeah, the tools he got. Yeah, and, and what does that get you in return? Like something like that, I can see him doing, but if you're going to package like, you know, like a Brandon Marsh and, you know, a, 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 a Kareem Paris and, and for, you know, to me, that's kind of like, uh, you're giving like two solid guys that you expect a high, you have a high expectation for, for a guy that might give you like two years worth of kind of prime. That's, that's, those are the kind of things that scare me when it comes to like wheeling and dealing for um, um, pieces during well, the off season. Well, truthfully, um, I think, you know, the main, uh, the main thing that this question, before you can even answer it, you know, you need to go and see, well, what, what does the team need first? What, what does the team need to be able to, you know, when you get to not just get to the playoffs, you know, you don't want to get to the playoffs and just get bounced like they did in 2014 or like the Astro or not the Astro, sorry, the Twins did. I mean, because the, the Twins, you know, going into put their legitimate contenders, they were, and then they got bounced. So, it's not just a matter of, oh, yeah, I want to win or I want to lose. How can you get enough pieces to win? They're missing, I'd say, probably at least two or three relievers in the bullpen. You might need a catcher, might need an infielder, mm-hmm. depending on whether or not we bring in Simba, bring back Simba, I should say. Yeah. Uh, probably maybe maybe one starter, depending. You know, you have Sandoval and Berea for the four or five area, but it just it's, it's, it needs – it's like a puzzle. You know, they need to to get all or chess, all the right pieces in the same in the same spot. And I'm not sure how they're going to do that or if they're going to have time to do that without, you know, getting rid of, uh, for lack of a better term, all these prospects. 
So real quick, we're, we're running a little short on time, and, and I want to thank you guys again for the um, chatting. So just real quick, Andrew, um, you have a wish list for type of like, you know, three pitchers, uh, one middle, like if you had a kind of a wish list for this off season uh, that you want to see the angels bring in, what is that wish list? Yeah. Uh, one solid starting pitcher. Um, I'm on the Trevor Bauer train all the way right now. Um, bullpen help for sure. Uh, we spent a lot of time kind of pulling uh, bullpen guys off the waiver wire. It'd be nice to bring someone solid in that can be solid and pretty dependable. Uh, and then I do think we need a middle infielder. We do have a lot of young middle infielders right now. Um, but I don't necessarily want to rely on hoping someone is ready and developed. I want to be able to bring someone in that's going to be solid, and then we can kind of work in the younger guy there to, to start to develop. So those, those would be my three things. Well, what about you, Jude, your, your wish list for the offseason? So obviously, you know, the number one, you, you want Trevor Bauer, right? Oh, yeah. you, you're going to – there's about, what, ten teams now who are, you know, they, <laughs> we want Trevor Bauer. <laughs> So for me, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, make that, you know, my number one, because that's, I don't know if the Angels are going to be able to pull that off. If they do, hell yeah, you know, I'm the first guy supporting it. But for me, uh, I'm going to go Marcus Stroman, uh, reliever, reliever, sorry, starter uh, from the Mets. Did not play in 2020, uh, but he has shown, you know, he has that, that, you know, top of the rotation type stuff as a pitcher. Uh, and then two relievers, uh, actually. Uh, I love, love, love these three guys, but either two of them would, would make me happy. That's uh, Liam Hendricks from the Oakland A's, uh, Blake Trainin from the Los Angeles Dodgers, and then Alex Colomay from the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, not bad. Not bad names, and especially um, the only thing that worries – not worries me, but to keep an eye on – two of those guys are still in the playoffs, so you got to hope that uh, – Right, they, they don't, don't, they don't get like around. super burned out. That's kind of <laughs> when Bauer got bounced. I was like, okay, that's good because he reminds yeah. me of a type of guy that's going to be like, oh, I'll pitch on short rest or I'll game seven on two days. Right, I'll I'm come out there. the bullpen, and the next thing you know, he he pulls a bum gardener and has an absolute great October, but then it's never the same after that. So when they got bounced, I was like, okay, cool, relax, save your arm. And that game was great too. Yeah, exactly. So it's like against the Braves, yeah, like yeah, what a lineup too. What a lineup to just yeah. cruise by. Yeah, so I, I I just had a feeling Bauer would be the guy like, hey, oh, I, you need to pitch on three days? I can do that. Oh, you need to pitch, you know, out of the bullpen? I can do that. I'm just like, ugh, just don't do that. But, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how the offseason goes and maybe have you guys back on and we can kind of evaluate once the moves are made, we have a GM mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But um, before I let you guys go, um, Jude, you can go ahead and go first. Go ahead and plug. Obviously, I talked about your underneath the halo on Instagram, but if you have anything else you want to plug, go ahead and do it now. Uh, no, uh, that's all just, uh, just my Instagram, uh, under the halo, uh, follow me on there. Sometimes when I'm not lazy, I cover all the halos and I have all the hot takes that will, uh, that will make you a very happy angels fan. And what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I just, dude, your stuff under the halo is fantastic. I really enjoy following you. Um, I'm angels top plays on Instagram. Um, gonna cover all the news, all the hype, uh, all the rumors, all the credible rumors. I try not to put the bogus (laughs) stuff out there. So I'll, uh, keep things entertaining, keep things exciting throughout the next few months, the off season. Awesome guys. Um, we'll be back. I'll, I'll probably have another podcast uh, in another week or so, but thank you for listening. Um, again, you can always follow us as well. At angels underscore that's a podcast angels, all angels <laughs> podcast, but you can follow us at halo underscore Haven. There's so many addresses and, and ads. And I'm, my mind's completely <laughs> jacked up, but yeah, follow us at halo underscore Haven. Have any questions? You can always email us at all angels podcast at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, follow us there. And for our next uh, podcast. So again, thank you guys. And uh, that's it. I'm down Garcia. And thank you for listening to another edition of the all angels 
Angels Podcast Network.